As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're going to be chatting about what changes our manager has made to the club. Our new signing, Jakob Kirill. And we'll take a look ahead to tomorrow's evening's fourth round FA Cup tie away at Manchester City. We're joined by Art de Roche and James McNicholas. Morning. Good morning. Morning, Ian. Morning. It's a good morning. I'm sure you'd agree. Uh, We all discovered this week that the partner of our latest signing, Jakub Kirill, was runner-up in the European Twerk Championships. Can you find me a fact about another Arsenal player or their partner that might blow our minds, Art? Yeah, I'm not sure mine's as interesting. It's probably more nerdy than anything, but um, I think a lot of people probably found out that uh, Leandro Trossard is a massive Lego fan. Um, and, <laughs> I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, so I think like it might have been during lockdown he made a Lego Taj Mahal, and apparently yeah he's a big Lego enthusiast. So um, that's one another one about the new guys for people to get familiar with. He's a massive Lego enthusiast. How many times <laughs> do you think he's trodden on it when he's just left the piece lying about? It's really one uh, as someone who had kids, one of the most painful things is up there <laughs> with upturned plugs. All right, is what I'm saying. But anyway, right? I didn't know that. I, I, I'm just sorry. I'm just trying to conceive of a Lego Taj Mahal. But it, amazing. There's pictures. There's pictures. Are out. there? Yeah. I'll have a look. Yeah. I'll have a look. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, James, what have you? That has blown my mind. James, what have you got? Yeah, I don't know if I can top that and the twerking, but we all saw Alexander Zinchenko giving the pre-match uh, team talk in the huddle before the United game and his post-match interview afterwards, very eloquently spoken in English. Obviously, he's been in this country for a long time now, but uh, I did enjoy this fact, which is that his real first English lessons came when he was playing in Russia for a team called Ufa. And he was given them by a teammate of the time uh, who was none other than former Arsenal midfielder Emmanuel Frimpong. <laughs> so uh, Zinchenko learned English 
under the tutelage of Emmanuel Frimpong. I don't know if his first English word was dench, very possibly. <laughs> Leave but... it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it, yeah. That's his vocabulary. That's what he started out with. So, yeah, they played together at Ufa and Frimpong, uh, yeah, taught him some English. Blimey. I mean, sorry, uh, Abby, our producer, has just sent uh, through on, on uh, Instagram, um, on WhatsApp, sorry, a uh, picture of... Uh, Leando Trossard with a uh, Lego version of Taj Mahal. It's it's really quite detailed, I must say. And uh, um, well done, Leandro. <laughs> I love the game. I'm very passionate about it. I love to win more than anything else. And that's the way I live the match. After another win, yet another win on Sunday. I did see James in the pub after the game. I have to say, James, you looked as excited, I think, as I've... I think I've ever seen you. Mm. I have to. I have to say it was a good, um, a good afternoon. I know uh, the other guys talked about it extensively on Monday's podcast. But after the game, uh, Cesc Fabregas was on Sky talking about Mikel Arteta and the changes he's made to the club in the three years, the short time that he's been there. This is what he said: I was lucky enough to be at the training ground recently. It felt like I was never before because everything changed so much. And uh, the manager of the of the training ground told me that it's. 95% Mikkel, who's changed the whole thing, you know, so definitely What's he's... changed? Everything, the perception of, of the club in the last few years, a lot of messages, positive messages, uh, you know, uh, around the training ground, much bigger facilities, better uh, equipment, uh, the pitches, everything, you, you name it. James, I mean, it's their place of work, isn't it? Obviously, they work at the Emirates and at football grounds around the country, but that is the place they're going to spend most of their time. So really, it's it's the it's possibly the most important thing to get right, isn't it? Yeah, it is kind of, it occupies this curious space where for them, it is their day-to-day. It is their base. But of, as fans, we kind of think of the stadium as that place, but actually proportionally, they're in the training ground a lot, lot more and... I think Arteta, since the day that he came into the club, has slowly made little changes to a space that was really designed around Arsene Wenger's specifications quite a long time ago now. You're talking maybe more than two decades ago. Late 90s. Yeah, exactly. So I think in sort of architectural terms, it's effectively still the same, but it's more things like the decor, little tweaks that Arteta's made, slogans he's had plastered on the walls. I think one thing Seth mentioned was having kind of this empty trophy cabinet in theory where the the Premier League title is supposedly one day going to sit again just providing kind of psychological motivation for the players I I think it's it's good that the manager has kind of taken that by the horns and kind of shaped the space according to his specifications and according to this team and from everything I hear and from the little bits and pieces that we do get to see at London Colney what he's tried to do is strike a balance between the lineage of the club, the history of the club, the achievements of the past, but also the expectation and the ambition of the future. So not shy away from what we've done previously, not, you know, try and pretend that, you know, Wenger was never there and we didn't, the Invincibles didn't happen, to acknowledge all that and imbue it in part of the players' culture, but also look forward and try and build a legacy of his own. Yeah, those messages are, I mean, you've both been to the training ground, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those messages that that are up there, I guess they sink in if you keep seeing them every day. Yeah, I think when you look at where the players actually 
enter as well. It's obviously a different uh, place from where we go as um, members of the media for like press conferences and stuff like that. But where they're going into the building, I think that was one of the first things I noticed in terms of changes at Colney where along that wall, they've now got all the crests from the club's history on, on that wall. Where it's where they do all the contract kind of pitches and stuff like that, and I think if you're seeing that every day, not just that, but also like the the big kind of plastered up image of Arsene Wenger with his hand up that Amy mentioned in her piece when she went um, to Colney. I think it was around this time last year, or maybe just a bit before that. It just kind of reinforces that message all the time, and I think that's probably one of the the main things that's kind of come through when you're looking at stuff that's not just on the pitch it's the messaging's always been quite consistent so hopefully <laughs> as as James says uh the mental kind of impact of that uh seeps in and has like comes to fruition on the pitch it does seem to be uh, doing that at the moment we're getting less injuries as well and I know people are going oh don't tempt fate and all the rest of it but you know, as I've said on this podcast many times, I don't believe in any of that nonsense. Um, <laughs> I know I don't. The training pitches, although I did wear a shirt against Man United, I did wear the new shirt against Man United, and I'm never taking it off. <laughs> yeah, you've got to keep that on. <laughs> aside from that, obviously, I don't believe in any of that nonsense. <laughs> but um, we're getting less injuries as well, uh, sort of soft tissue muscular injuries. James, what's he done to the training pitches? Good question, Ian, and uh, I don't know the answer. I've had them blessed by a priest or something. I don't know. But, uh, chicken entrails, I believe. Yeah. I think it was chicken entrails in the corner flags. I think that was what it was. That seems to be the thing that's making the difference. But we are getting less injuries now, aren't we? I uh, Yeah. I know that you don't believe in Do any of this, but about- I, just feel, I, I just feel like every time you ask me anything I say now, it's going to be clipped up and played back to me for the remainder of the season. Soon as someone hamstring this, involuntarily sorry, explodes. Then, I'm not going to bother warming up. No, <laughs> I, and Ian and well, listen, I think I you've mean, got to give credit to the, to the physical staff who are managing the situation. I mean, there were some changes there in the summer. Um, Shad Forsyth, who'd been with Arsenal and been with Arteta for a, a long time, he moved on and Tom Allen stepped up as the head of sports science. I, I think Arsenal have, you know, benefited in some respects in recent weeks. Obviously, we've not been dealing with the Carabao Cup on top of other things. There's other... Some of the other big clubs have. Uh, we didn't compete in the Champions League, in the Europa League, so we're able to rotate maybe a bit more heavily than certain other big clubs. You know, Arsenal have got a record of, I think, seven players have played in practically every game this season, which has been yes. remarkable. I mean, the level of consistency we've shown in the starting eleven has been a hallmark of the team this season and I'd say one of the foundations for its success. And yeah, listen, I just hope it can continue because... That solidity, that base, that structure has provided brilliant foundations for everything we've done so far. And what about the 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 way that when a new manager has to come in, he has to change things? Are I mean, I know Michael Cox was on this podcast on Monday talking about the difference between what Mikel has done at Arsenal with what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was unable to do at Manchester United. I mean, you're not really comparing like we like, but in the end... When you've had two legends like Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger managing a club, and then new people come in, they have to they have to stamp their own 
mark on on the club, and it can sometimes feel a little bit disrespectful to to something <laughs> yeah. that's well, you know what I mean. It's something yeah. that's been so uh, successful for so many years. Yeah, but I, when you look back to his first press conference, I think even then you saw some of his ideas for his own future and Arsenal's own future were very clear then in terms of the main thing that I remember was his analogy about the tree when he was relating it to the culture at the club because he said if if it, if there's too many branches or something like that, then the tree will shake or if the roots aren't strong enough, basically. And you've kind of seen over the past three, three years and a month yeah. <laughs> that kind of... Uh, turnover with the squad has kind of helped with that but also I think it's quite important to remember it's not all been upward trajectory for for three years I think there have been moments where he's had to to learn himself as well Um, if we remember I think his first full season there were moments where Arsenal would rush players back from injuries and they'd get injured again re-aggravate the same injuries and I think when you look at how they've dealt with, say, Emil Smith-Rowe this season, you've probably seen they've hopefully learned a bit from that. And hopefully that's the case as well with Gabriel Jesus and his injury, that they're a bit more patient and mature in, in the way that they deal with those situations, because that's going to be as important um, as the solid, I guess, base of the squad that is injury free at the minute. Yeah, uh, and one more thing before we move on, the the consistency of the message. I mean, Art was saying he sort of it, it, as soon as as soon as Mikel Arteta came in, James, he was sort of saying the pretty much the similar things to to what he's saying now, and so the players very quickly understand what's happening and what is required of them, and they adapt to that. I think that's true, and I think as well, he's shaped the squad in such a way that he's got players who do buy into that messaging and I think you know if you were being cynical about it you might say that there were maybe some more experienced players or players near the end of their career who weren't as on board maybe with some of those ideals and Arteta has kind of shaped the squad accordingly yeah Um, he's got a group of players who absolutely buy into what he's doing and will run through walls from him as, as they often do week after week so it is his uh, team and it's his training ground as well at this point in time. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
we were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Let's talk about a new player that's come in, Jakub Kiwio, a Polish international, played uh, in the World Cup. We got him a £22 million on a long-term deal. Do we know how long, James, by the way? I know you wrote a piece about him. Uh, it's in the, it's about five years, but I, I forget. It's uh, one half year, one way or the other, because he's signed mid-season. I'm not sure if it's five from the end of this season. I think it might be five from this summer. Right, and a couple of quotes. One from his Polish uh, Polish youth team coaches saying, this is our Roberto Carlos. <laughs> I mean, does that mean he's going to take a free kick brilliantly and then take another hundred and miss them by miles? Is that what he's talking <laughs> about? Or I'm assuming it's not. Uh, well, we've had plenty of players who've done that in the past, to be fair. But I think uh, uh, David Luiz springs to mind, for example. But I think um, <laughs> that, that quote was from when he was a very young boy, actually, when he was about eight years old. And he was kind of the star player on his local team, you know, taking corners, taking free kicks, taking penalties. But I think he's a really interesting player and he is a someone who has got a lot of technical ability. I think one thing he'll add to Arsenal is a real a range and variety of passing from centre-half. He strikes the ball very well off that left foot and... You know, Gabriel, I think, is a really underrated aspect of his play, how consistent he is on the ball. He finds those passes between the lines. I think what will be interesting when we get to see a bit of Kiroa, and I don't know when that will be, is there's a slightly different quality to his passes. You know, he he likes a cross-field pass. He likes a lofted pass. He can clip one. He can knock it long. He can can do different passes. He's played in midfield. So he's a little bit more of a kind of cultured left foot, I would say, to use a cliché. But uh, uh, crucially, when we talk about consistency of players selected in teams, you know, Gabriel's played more than 50 consecutive league games for Arsenal. Uh, He's played an awful lot of football. And having someone who provides an alternative to him, who can give him the occasional rest, who can step in if he does eventually pick up an injury or another suspension, is just key. And we've, we've strengthened the squad. It's an area of need since Pablo Marie went out on loan about a year ago and hasn't come back. Uh, and I think Arsenal will be very pleased to get this deal over the line. It was a bit more expensive than they'd hoped. His price went up after some... Uh, the World Cup. Yeah, he was featured in the World Cup, played every game, played against Messi, yeah. played against Mbappe. That stuck another 10 million quid probably on his price. But Arsenal got big faith in the player and they've decided to do it now. And I think it gives him some time to hopefully to settle into the squad. You know, you, you wouldn't imagine Gabriel's going anywhere from that first 11 anytime soon. Fingers crossed. Uh, but it means he can bed in, maybe play the odd game here and there and hopefully be a big, bigger part of things next season. Things can change, uh, as we know. Is it Kivior, by the way, with a V? I think is, is so, it, yes. Uh, v sound? OK, OK, just so we get it right. And that flexibility, um, oh, I know we've talked about this many times, that Mikel Arteta has, has talked about the, the, uh, the word flexibility quite a bit. As James said, he can play in a number of positions. Yeah, and I guess... The big thing is it's competition rather than just another body because when you look at what happened last January, that was, I guess, the big thing. They didn't want to just add someone for the sake of it. Whereas this year, they know they can't make the mistake of being inactive in January because of not just what's on the line, but the makeup of the squad anyway. So I think being able to play, I I don't really... I'm not sure if he'd be pushed into midfield really because I'm sure we'll get into this later. But in Mikel Arteta's press conference yesterday, he said ideally if they could, they'd get some more midfield cover. We will get into that. <laughs> yes. we, no, uh, no, no, we will. Yeah, you know. but I think that the main thing is he's comfortable in different 
situations on the pitch. And that's, I think that's the bigger thing when it comes to that word versatility rather than just, oh, he can play in different positions. It's, are you able to kind of move into this area and still produce uh, like Ben White has done, like moving Alexander. from... Like Alexander uh, Sinchenko does and yeah, as well. Yeah. He, and he's the main one who, again, I, I think it's probably not even worth calling him a left-back anymore. Just say... Zinchenko, like, no. Yeah, like, I'll just use James's word of uh, he's the queen. I was going to say all-rounder, <laughs> but James's analogy uh, from a couple of weeks ago was much better. Quite, um, quite. So yeah, I think rather than it just being positional stuff, uh, it's about being comfortable on the ball and knowing what to do off the ball in different areas rather than just being viewed as a centre-back because we saw especially like in the last couple of games, I think Gabriel left centre-back. There's times where he's like almost on the, the right touchline. No, I said, by the way, cultured left foot. Do you ever get cultured right feet as well? People, <laughs> or people don't really talk about that, do they? No, I don't think that's a thing. No. <laughs> okay. Just, I wonder why that is. Maybe because it's, it's rarer. Yeah. Uh, it just looks uh, better. It, it does. No, I think it absolutely does. Um, I mean, this is what uh, uh, Jakub uh, Kivior said. I love passing the ball. I like teams that move the ball and try to create chances that way. So I'm happy that I've come to a team uh, like that. Um, Yes, well, if he loves doing that, he'll fit in very, very nicely. And um, we may well need him in the second half of the season. Um, We also may well need a midfield player as well. James, I know Art was at the uh, press conference. In fact, Art, you were at the press conference. This is exactly what he said, right? That we 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 need midfield cover, uh, yeah. basically, especially with what might happen, uh, what might have happened uh, to uh, Mo El Nene. We don't know the extent of the injuries, but getting someone in is not going to be easy, is it? I mean, one clubs know that we have the money to spare. Two, any midfielder coming in knows that if we get him, they're going to have to compete possibly with Declan Rice as well as the others next season. Yeah, I think the context of his answer is probably really important as well because he did say, firstly, ideally. <laughs> so that almost puts an, a shade of doubt in it already. And then he did mention it becomes really complicated in January to do that. And what are we... So today's Thursday... Tuesday night, isn't it? Yeah. So my maths is terrible. Uh, I only got a C five days. in GCCs. But okay, five days. <laughs> um <laughs> But um, I can't believe you couldn't count the number of days Thursday <laughs> and Tuesday. But okay, it's five days. Um, so yeah, uh, when you take that into consideration, it becomes a lot tougher. But I don't feel they'd just be going blind into it because even though Declan Rice would be the number one target for the summer, they they would have had to queue up kind of a, a list of, of players. And I guess the main thing is you you find someone who has presence and personality. That's the big thing that is needed in those midfield positions because that's what's been lacking when that first choice midfield hasn't been there. And again, where do you find that in January? I'm not 100% sure, but you can tell even when we've spoken about where do Arsenal need to improve or get more depth, people look to the the winger areas as kind of the shiny new toys but that foundation needs to be there and hopefully that can strengthen in the next five 
days. <laughs> five days. Uh, five days and counting. James, I mean, you've talked about on the show loads of times about midfield cover, but anyone who's good enough to step in, they're going to be playing in a in a high-level team. And, and to leave them in January... It's it's a big step, isn't it? And um, I mean, they must have been scouting and looking. But do you have um, confidence that we can bring someone in in those days? I guess I would say I have optimism, maybe more so than confidence. I, I think it's it's challenging. You know, Arsenal really tr- they had a similar situation to this. This is very familiar territory. A Mohamed El Nenny injury a week <laughs> before the transfer deadline. We were here in August, you know, and Arsenal. I don't want to say scrabbled around, but looked very hurriedly for a central midfield player, landed on Douglas Louise of Aston Villa, and ultimately, despite their best efforts, could not get that deal done on deadline day. So I don't think it's a given that Arsenal will sign somebody, but I, I know for a fact that they'll, they're making efforts to. And I think it's interesting that Mikel Arteta came out and spoke about it publicly. Sometimes he's very guarded about these things. And when he chooses to speak about transfers, I think it feels very... Deliberate, and I feel like often he's communicating as much with the club as he's communicating with the journalists and the and the fans. So I think that sends a message. If he says we need midfield cover, I mean he's the most powerful man in the club right now. He's number one. He's the reason that everyone's so excited about Arsenal. So if he wants it, I think they'll do everything they can to make sure he gets it. And let's hope they can find a deal. We know there's money available because of the fact that Arsenal were in for Mudrick to the extent that they were. Of course, that does make things a little bit trickier sometimes in negotiations. If you've been bidding 75 to £100 million on a player, if you go and knock on, say, Brighton's door for someone like Caicedo, you can bet your bottom dollar they'll be expecting figures in a similar bracket. So it's going to be an interesting few days. I hope Arsenal can get something done because I agree with Mikel. They do need somebody there, especially if Elneny is out. I mean... I know Elneny's not everybody's favourite player, but he has shown himself to be a pretty reliable contributor when required and someone who understands and adheres to Arteta's system. I think finding someone else who can step into that role and play similarly, it's not going to be straightforward. So I've got two hopes, really. One, that Elneny's injury isn't that bad and two, that we can supplement him with uh, another quality addition in what remains of the window. Quite one or two other things. We get uh, uh, Cedric is off to Fulham. A uh, few hurdles so, to uh, still be cleared on that, Ian. By the way, I would just say only that with, they're talking about a loan deal potentially for Cedric, but Fulham have already got two players uh, on loan f- at the moment. So I think they've got Dan James and maybe Shane Duffy, um, right. and that one of those loans must be either terminated or made permanent if Cedric is to join on loan. So a few hurdles to clear, but that definitely does seem to be the direction of travel. Cedric, you know, I think is in a position where if he's offered the chance to go and play first team football, he's quite a long way from that currently at Arsenal. So it, it probably would make sense for him. Yeah, I, although I did read a piece the other day, they were talking about Arsenal's leadership group, um, which included uh, Rob Holding and Cedric, both of whom are very popular around the training ground. So, you know, much as uh, good luck to him if he does uh, get first-team football, he has been uh, good around the rest of the team and, and, we, and uh, it's much appreciated. You can see what's going on on the pitch and uh, everyone has to take some credit uh, for that. And the news from Gabriel Jesus, who uh, is keen to get back on the pitch. <laughs> I mean, four or five weeks, 
Oh, it's what we were talking about before. They are very, very smart about not rushing people back. Yeah. And he continues the form that he's in. We don't have to rush him back, but he, the player, will be chomping at the bit. Yeah, fingers crossed it, it goes smoothly. Four or five weeks would probably be just before the Europa League kicks back in as well. So thinking of that time, time frame, that schedule, it's quite a decent time to be to, to be coming back into the squad. I'm just interested to see if Eddie does keep up that form. Does he go straight back in or is he eased in? Uh, I think it's probably maybe you give it a bit more license to ease him back in rather than feeling... It's totally necessary to throw him back in, which is probably better anyway, because then he doesn't kind of just go in um, kind of really cold. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so um, hopefully it all goes uh, smoothly. And I'm just excited to see what that team looks like when he's back. And if going into that second half of the season, we can maybe see him and Eddie play together a bit more as well, because that's something that would intrigue me, I think. Yeah, we can't wait to can't wait to see him back and part of the of the squad. Uh, every little helps. Um, one more thing: the first uh, Emirates artwork installation went up the other day. Um, either of you been down there to see it? By the way, I haven't. I've seen the pictures, uh, and it actually looks great up in situ. I think it has actually exceeded even my expectations. Like you know, obviously you see the digital renders and you see you know the designs in isolation, but actually up there against the you know the backdrop of the sky looks brilliant this uh, this is the one where it's got the women's team that won the champions league and the invincibles isn't that the one that's gone mm-hmm. up i think i saw leanne sanderson very excited on twitter talking about uh, uh, being being on on the stadium and how cool that is uh, yeah well we'll be going down there a few times uh, in the next few months and uh, uh, and seeing them all up that'd be great this is Handbrake off at the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone here with Art de Roche and James McNicholas on handbrake off. Uh, the little matter tomorrow of an FA Cup fourth round tie at Manchester City. Um, James, what, what do we do in this situation? I mean, as much as I love the FA Cup, and I definitely do not want to blow it out because uh, another double would be very, very nice, I believe. Um, the more important game is Everton away the week after. So what does he do, James? What would you do? <laughs> what would I do? 
Listen, do you know what? This is a real change of uh, tack for me because I'm normally that guy who's like, you've got to compete on every front. Every game matters. But this season, I was the guy who, when we got beat at home by Brighton in the Carabao Cup, went out rubbing my hands. That'll do. Very nice. Nice clear fixture list. On we get with the league. All my eggs are in the Premier League uh, trophy, as it were. And the, the difficulty that Man City presents is... Were Arsenal to lose this game, what kind of psychological weight or impact might that have in the title race? I've got memories of seasons past, you know, cup games against Man United and the like, which felt like they had, you know, an impact on our league form in some way. So I think the key phrase you said, the the most important game is the Everton one a week later. And I think you're right. But I think the important part of that is a week later. And I think that's how Arteta will see it. I think he'll go strong. I think there'll be a couple of changes, maybe two, maybe three. But I think he'll go, he'll want to compete with Man City and show how far this team has come. And if you listen to his press conference, there were a few little phrases in there about this is a chance for us to test ourselves, to show, you know, the journey we've been on. I don't think he'll be able to pass that chance up. So I think he'll go strong. Oh, I mean, you were at the press conference, weren't you? Mm. It was a, I mean, he named a very strong team. I think everyone was surprised to see Saka and Ketia and uh, and Martinelli uh, playing in the Oxford game. So mm. if he's going to play that team against Oxford, he's got to play a lot of the first teamers against um, Manchester City as well, isn't he? Yeah, one phrase that kind of stuck out uh, to me was he said, big bench. <laughs> so um, I think you obviously we've kind of become accustomed for the past year to seeing a few under-21s players pop up on the bench, but hopefully that becomes less and less of a common theme in the next few months. And as as James said, I think he's very aware that it's one game a week, so maybe resting key players and having them miss almost two weeks of actual matches I don't think that's the best thing going into really important matches. They'll uh, want to play, won't they, Art? Yeah. They'll definitely want to play. Exactly. And I think you'd probably get a bit of rotation at fullback. Tierney and Tommy Asu probably come in. Then maybe in one of the wide players, maybe as well, because they've played almost every game and their, their positions are probably the most demanding with the way that uh, Arteta yeah. wants Arsenal to play. So like James, I probably see two, three, maybe four um, changes, but not not wholesale in any respects because also it is, <laughs> it is Pep as well. And I think he wants to prove himself in those games uh, a lot more than, than other ones. Mm. I think it'd be interesting to see what he does with the goalkeeper as well because, you know, Matt mm. Turner had a pretty good group stage in the Europa League had a pretty good group stage in the World Cup as well, actually. Um, so I think he would feel, especially having not played in the Carabao game when Carl Hine uh, got the nod, you know, he's probably looking at the season and thinking, where are my opportunities? I think he'll have his eyes on this one. So, yeah, I'm curious to see who Arteta goes with uh, in goal as well. It's, it's quite interesting with Arteta and goalkeepers mm. because in the second half of seasons, he's tended to go with the first choice the whole time other than when uh, Ramsdale was injured last season and Leno played against Aston Villa when 
you think back to that Europa League campaign, the first one he was in when they lost to Olympiacos, I think most most managers probably would have just swapped and put Martinez in goal, who was still second choice at the time, but he stuck with Leno. So I think, yeah, like James said, it'll be really interesting to see if he kind of goes against his own grain and decides to keep Turner in for the second half of the season in these cup games, or if he kind of sticks to his guns uh, that he has tended to do and goes with the first choice throughout. And what about uh, Zinchenko playing slightly more centrally like he does for you, for the Ukrainian national team, James? I mean, when when we bought him, we talked about him as possible cover in that that sort of central midfield area. He can obviously play there. Is that some? Is that an experiment? I mean, it's not like he'll stay in that position anyway. <laughs> if you saw his touch map against Man United, he was absolutely everywhere. Yeah, but. You know what I mean. Well, it's a, it's that thing that we said earlier. Although he starts nominally as a left back, he is effectively playing as a midfielder in possession anyway. I think if we get to the end of the transfer window and we haven't made an addition in midfield, maybe that becomes a conversation. But right now, I think he's so integral to the way we build up play that I'd be very loath to move him. I think that what he's doing is so unique that teams are actually finding it quite difficult to deal with the amount of kind of overloads he created, the way it helps us win the numbers game. Sorry, go on, Art, yeah. No, that, just on that point, um, I'm not sure if you guys would have seen it because you were at the game. You probably would have in Twitter and stuff like that, but obviously Ten Hag before the Arsenal-United game was talking about this special plan with Scott McTominay and stuff. And watching the game, I was struggling to figure out what it was because I assumed it would be do a Herrera job on Erdegaard and just man mark him for the whole game but as the game went on I kind of realized oh it's to stop Zinchenko from just going where he wants and it wasn't working (laughs) Um, so it is quite um, an interesting one where I think teams know it will happen but they still can't stop it so that's kind of just what popped up in my head as you said that Mm. James so yeah, yeah I'd be inclined to keep him where he is for now Yes, because it seems to be working. And and uh, I could do a whole podcast actually on Zinchenko at some point because <laughs> I, I absolutely love him. I just And the leadership qualities, we've all seen the pictures of him doing uh, uh, talking to the City players in the dressing room and then talking to our boys before, um, before the game against Manchester United. I mean, he, uh, uh, we, we've got a real leader there and it's, uh, it, it's quite special, I think, uh, to see him developing uh, as part of this team. All right, let's have a song before we go. Uh, James, what have you got for us? Well, yeah, I mean, I was Zinchenko is kind of my player of the week, really. I was so impressed by uh, his uh, performance against Manchester United. So in tribute to him, I've gone for Gold by Spando Ballet. I believe in Zinchenko! <laughs> <laughs> Great tune as well. Um, and what have you got for us, Art? Uh, I would have preferred to do this like directly after a win, but I can't wait anymore. I think people on TikTok have probably heard it for ages now. Uh, it's the the first two songs of Metro Boomin's Heroes and Villains album. Uh, so it starts with On Time, then blends into Superhero, and it's quite um, the build-up kind of gets you going quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Metro, Metro, Metro. 
quite a few people have uh, made some montages, Arsenal montages and loads of other montages to it. So it's quite quite good, I feel. Love, love a montage. Any football fan loves a montage, let's be fair. Uh, I've gone for a song, uh, but more of a producer, really. It's a guy called Martin Solvigs, sort of a dance producer. Um, because... We were talking about the training ground and about the way things are going at the Arsenal at the moment, and they're doing it right. Uh, so this song is called Do It Right. It features TK Major uh, and, uh, yeah, Martin Selvig, the dance producer, and um, quite like the tune. Although, if you listen to the lyrics, it's not about football, right? <laughs> is all I would say. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can make your own, draw your own conclusions. Uh, that's it. Uh, thank you to James and Art. Thanks to Abby, our producer. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Uh, thanks for listening. See you soon.